Good morning. It is so nice to see all of you today. I hope that all of your activities so far, it's nice to have our kids with us. I know they had an activity earlier this morning, and uh, they were doing all kinds of fun stuff. They've got their collection, uh, their connection bags, and they should also have a, uh, a new thing that Julie and Vanessa uh, Pardo have worked on, uh, is a, a children's bulletin, and so they have spaces where they can draw pictures of the minister and other things, and so I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing those once the uh, assembly is over. I, I tend to look better in kids' pictures than I do in person, so I just uh, uh, that's why I like to, to, to see them. We've got a number of different things happening in the upcoming weeks that we want to bring to your attention. Some of these you will find in our bulletin, and others are just a little bit further down the road. Um, next Sunday at 6 p.m. in the evening, we will have a... Uh, reception in honor of Charles Callan and their family and their years of service here. If you have not heard the news, uh, Charles and Carolyn are moving to Stewart, Florida at the end of the school year. And so we will dearly miss them and we want to have an opportunity to spend some time with them and to express our appreciation. So that'll be next Sunday at 6 p.m. The following Sunday, May 5th, we will uh, deviate from our series in Mark for a couple weeks. We'll have a lesson that will deal with the function of elders um, looking to begin the process to find uh, some additional brothers to serve in that capacity within the English and the Spanish-speaking assemblies. Um, And so uh, that will be on May 5th. May 12th is Mother's Day, uh, Dads and Kids. Just a little programming note, just to make sure you're ready. Uh, We will be presenting some recently born babies and their families and uh, enjoy that time together. And then on March 19th, we'll have the recognition of our high school seniors, and that will be a bilingual service where we will be celebrating this significant achievement for all of our families here. So there's a lot of things going on, but today we're happy to be here. We've already been celebrating the resurrection in some various ways. And so let me just say, Christ is risen. You don't get to do that very often, right? I mean, once a year. So uh, it's a good chance to do it. We're not going to overuse it. Um, On a morning like today, some 2,000 years ago, might have been as pretty as a morning like today, or it might have been rainy. We don't really know exactly the weather forecast, but we do know that the disciples woke up to a new reality. The last time they had seen Jesus, he was cold and lifeless, and they laid him in a stone tomb. And then on Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, the word slowly but surely spread, Christ is risen. And the disciples responded, <laughs> he is risen indeed. Now, now, today's text is not your traditional Easter Sunday text. It's the next text in our series in Mark. But, but I think you'll see and appreciate that what we see in this text is not so much Jesus on the day of his resurrection, but we see Jesus even further down the road. We see Jesus in his glory, in his fullest extent of his glory. And the image that we'll see actually come from the end of time. Because the disciples, like us, we often need to see Jesus in his glory to keep us going. 
We need to see Jesus. For the past six days in the life of the disciples since we left them last week in Mark chapter 8, and all of us struggle with this idea that our Lord and Savior, the Messiah, the King of kings and Lord of lords, must suffer and must die. I was talking with some people over the, during the week and they were asking me about the timeline. And as we're talking on Friday, if we had been in Israel on that day, Friday morning was the day they would have crucified him at nine in the morning. We were talking around noon. And and it was hard to keep tears from coming, imagining at this time, Jesus was suffering for the sins of humanity. The disciples were struggling not only with the news that Jesus was going to die, and he did tell them he would be resurrected, but that part kind of got lost in the emotion. But they were also struggling with this teaching that he gave where we have to take a cross too. It's one thing to serve a suffering and risen Lord. It's another for us to join him in that suffering. And they were just trying to get their minds around what this all means. In the midst of this confusion and internal struggle, we read... Mark chapter 9, verses 2 and following. I'm just going to read the verses right now. You're welcome to follow along in your Bible or on your phone. And then we'll put some of the verses on the screen and we'll kind of unpack some of them. But let me just read them now, beginning in verse 2, Mark chapter 9. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. Then he was transfigured or transformed before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let's put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Verse 6. He didn't know what to say because they were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and a voice came from the cloud, This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. And suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders. This text is often referred to as the transfiguration because Jesus' Jesus's appearance is transfigured. I don't know that's necessarily the best description of this text. But let's begin in verse 2 and unpack some of the thoughts and see how this relates to us on Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. The, the setting for this Transformation is on top of a mountain. It's amazing how many times really important things have happened on top of a mountain. 
And if you're curious and just want to think through some of them, Brian Bergman, has, who puts together all the uh, reflection questions, has brought together those texts for you in your bulletin, and you can read through each day a different experience that took place with God on top of a mountain. This mountain was most likely Mount Hermon. This mountain is about 9,000 feet, which is pretty high. It's almost high enough where uh, you'll need medication to not get uh, altitude sickness. The air will be thin. It was some 11,000 feet above the Jordan Valley. And on a clear day from just about anywhere in Israel, you can see the snow-topped peaks of Mount Hermon. Well, as you can imagine, it would take some time to climb up this mountain. When I was in Bolivia, I was invited to do a family camp that was right at almost 10,000 feet. It took us two hours in a Land Rover to get up to the top of that mountain. I don't know how many days. It might have taken two or three, but by the time they got to the top, they were exhausted. Luke tells us that they were falling asleep. But beyond the physical exhaustion, they were struggling with the emotional toil Jesus' news had taken on them. Remember, just six days prior, Jesus announced that he was going to die. Just six days prior, uh, uh, Jesus had called Peter out and called him Satan. Just six days prior, he gives them the news that they also will carry a cross that will lead them to a life filled with pain, and suffering. This idea was totally out of sync with the messianic expectations of the day. It was confusing. They were struggling. And Jesus wanted to give them a glimpse of the real world. Because, you see, sometimes we can get so wrapped up in this world down here. It seems so real to us. It seems like this is life in its fullest, and the reality is, is this is just a shadow. This is not real life. It looks real. But what Jesus wanted to show his disciples and what he wants to show us what real life looks like and who Jesus really is. And so while they're on top of this mountain, as they're trying to catch their breath and they're trying to think through everything that's going on, suddenly Jesus is transfigured. Or transformed right before their eyes. His clothing becomes so white that they've never seen. All the bleach in the world couldn't get the clothes this bright. Luke says that his clothes look as if they were rays of lightning. You know, lightning is so bright it doesn't harm our eyes because we only see it for just a split second. But can you imagine lightning that doesn't stop? That would burn your retinas if you looked at it too strongly and intensely. You've all heard the warnings of look, not looking at the sun during eclipse. And there are stories of individuals that have had burns on their eyes because of that. Can you imagine the sun in all of its glory? And then some. Right before your very eyes. And this isn't like Jesus then somehow transformed himself into some sort of spiritual being. It's actually quite the opposite. His divinity, his glory has been covered up by this human body 
And he reveals who he really is, this same Jesus in all of his brightness that has been around since before time began, who was around before the worlds were created, and and who will be around at the end of time. This Jesus who lights up heaven so much that when John writes about it says, we don't need a sun, we don't need a moon, because the Lamb is the lamp and the light that shines in all of heaven. And there'll be no night and no darkness. As beautiful as sunsets are, there will be no sunsets in heaven. For 2,000 years, God's people have been blessed by the words, May God's face shine upon you. And today, on the Mount of Transfiguration, they were feeling it. And then all of a sudden, besides Jesus, we see two individuals appear, Elijah and Moses, We're not going to spend much time at all discussing why and what this represents. There's numerous theories. One interesting possibility is because both Moses and Elijah had met with God on top of mountains. They were used to these experiences. Some suggest Moses represents the law, Elijah the prophets. They were both prophets. They were also both connected to things that were going to happen at the end time. But they appear, they're talking with Jesus, the three of these individuals, and Peter, who doesn't know what to say, says, wow, three really good guys. Let's make a, sh- a shelter for each one. There's a, an old American proverb that would have served Peter well. says, never pass up an opportunity to keep your mouth shut. And I don't think it would only serve Peter. Never pass up an opportunity to keep your mouth shut. Peter would have done well. But he didn't know what to say. He was scared to death and just blurted out. Well, we see what God thinks of his idea because immediately a cloud envelops them. On another occasion, I was at a high mountain. It was also, this time it was in Ecuador, in Quito. And a, mount, and a cloud started to roll in and I took pictures and you could see the cloud and it came closer and closer and cl- until it entirely enveloped all of us and you couldn't see your hand in front of you. Well, this cloud was not formed by atmospheric conditions. This cloud was not formed by water molecules and such. This cloud was the divine presence of God. This cloud was the pillar that guided the Israelites in the desert. This cloud was the uh, was what filled the temple when it was inaugurated. This cloud is the divine presence, the Shekinah of God. And this cloud envelops all of them, and then a voice comes which reminds us of the voice at Jesus' baptism. This is my son, whom I love. And then the instruction from the voice, which is the voice of the Father, listen to him. Moses was good, listen to Jesus. Elijah was okay, listen to Jesus. And if we were to ask, what are we supposed to listen? And what are we supposed to hear? The immediate context would suggest that what they needed to hear was that, yes, this Messiah will suffer and rise again. And us in our situations need to hear that as well as the expanded message of Jesus as the one who gives life. Jesus has the words of life. 
Jesus' words are what guide us. If you want to know how you should act, listen to Jesus. If you want to know how you should be as a Christian, listen to Jesus. If you want to know what's important about your life and your existence on this earth, listen to Jesus. Listen to him. And then immediately they looked around and it was just Jesus. You know, this is where I would like the story to end if I was one of the disciples. I would just like to be on the mountaintop with Jesus and let's just, let's just call it good. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes I get frustrated with life and I get frustrated with the hassles and the concerns and I just want everybody to disappear and I just want to be together with Jesus. Because I trust him and I know he'll do me no harm. And he won't create more problems for me. And and I want to live on this mountaintop and be there forever. But verse 9, while we're still in this fog of just wanting to be with Jesus, brings us to the valley. Because just as Jesus led them up, now he leads them down. And Jesus leads them back into the valley. Sometimes it's the valley of the shadow of darkness. Sometimes it's a valley of struggle and sin. Sometimes it's the valley of confusion and conflict. Sometimes it's a valley that will lead us to places we really don't want to go. But what Jesus is telling us is that this glimpse of him in glory, this moment of seeing him for who he really is in all of his resplendent glory, is what will get us through our life in the valley. Because today is Easter and Christ is risen. But tomorrow is Monday. (laughs) Tomorrow is Monday. And tomorrow we go back to work. And tomorrow we go back to school. And tomorrow we wake up to many of the same problems we had yesterday. And this glimpse of Jesus, seeing Jesus for who he is, gives us the strength to be what he wants us to be. His vision was designed to give strength to the disciples so that they also could take up their cross and follow him. And the vision gives us strength so that we also can get up and not only live, but survive, but thrive in the world around us. And one of the ways we do it is by looking at other people. And there will be numerous indications in these next few chapters about how we should serve one another. A reporter was interviewing an 85-year-old woman on her birthday and asking her what advice she would have. She said, well, at our age, it's important to keep using all our potential or it dries up. It's important to be with people and, if possible, to earn one's living through service. That's what keeps us alive and well. 85-year-old woman, earning your living. And so the reporter, kind of incredulous, said, well, may I ask exactly what you do for a living at your age? She said, oh, I look after an old lady down the street. (laughs) (laughs) Serving others helped keep her alive. 
Serving others is not something we do just for others, but really it's something we do for us. And so my hope is today's mountaintop experience with Jesus and seeing him in all of his glory will give us strength so that tomorrow and the next day and the next day we are able to serve him and others. You know, I, I don't know where you need to see this image of Jesus in your life, but let me suggest three areas that I think all of us would benefit. One area I need to see Jesus is in my past. I'm convinced sometimes that God holds grudges. I'm convinced sometimes that he's punishing and just mean. I get convinced sometimes that God's not happy with me and he doesn't like me. But scripture reminds me over and over, and Jesus reminds me over and over. And this image of Jesus in all of his glory reminds me that God forgives my past. He frees me from the weight and burden of sin. He doesn't hold it against me. He doesn't keep bringing it up. He wants to free me. My past can be forgiven. I also need to see this image of Jesus in all of his glory when I think about my future. I don't know what the future looks like for me or for any of us. I don't know when we're going to depart this earth and what it will be like. I don't know what life is going to look like for us. The news fills us with all kinds of stories of fear and terror. Death doesn't go away. And I need to be reminded that this is the real Jesus. And that my fears for the future can be secure My hope can be secure in him because of who he is. And then not only my past and my future, but my present. I sometimes feel powerless to change my life, to deal with a bad habit, to save a relationship, to manage my chaotic life. And I need to be reminded of this vision of Jesus on top of a mountain in all of his glory to give me strength to realize that He won't take all my problems away, but he will give me a different perspective and he promises to walk with me through every situation. You will never, ever, ever, ever be alone. I will be with you always to the very end of the age. So as we conclude today, I don't know where you need to see Jesus, but let me encourage you to look hard and to enjoy this image of Jesus that we have, because this will give us strength when we come off of the mountain and we get back into the valley of where you and I live. If you have a prayer need and would like to share that with the congregation, we invite you to come to the front while we sing this song. If you have a need where you would like to pray with an elder, there will be some elders in the back, and you can go to the back and just pray with them, and they'll be glad to help you. Whatever your need might be, we'd love to.